A lot of great things coming to Rock Hill. It really was the people of Rock Hill. How many things does Rock Hill have going on? And you get to be a part of that. Now it's like, wow, I wanna be there. I wanna live there. I wanna go there. It is extraordinary. The changes that have happened and what I really believe is just the next really great city in South Carolina. Hello and welcome into Rock Hill CityCast, where we aim to keep you informed on all things going on inside the city of Rock Hill. My name's Matthew Cray. Usually to my right would be Ashley Studebaker, but she is away for the week. Some good things going on with Ashley. Uh, we'll miss her, but uh, the show does go on. And in, in, uh, in studio today, we have a repeat guest back for the first time in, I guess, almost a year, mm -hmm. uh, Hannah Horn with the Gravity Center. How's it going? Doing great. Hey, thanks so much for having me. And uh, we miss you, Ashley. Hurry back. Oh, yeah. And uh, how does it feel to be back on CityCast? It's been, it's been a long time. It, uh, it has been a very, a very eventful year. And, uh, and I say that um, with, um, honestly, uh, the, the joy and the fortitude that I knew that it would take to, to, to run a successful Gravity Center. Um, and I tell you, it is, uh, thanks for having me back to talk about it. I'll leave it there. Absolutely. So you've been in Rock Hill mm -hmm. um, for almost a year. Well, what are some things that you've learned in that time? Yeah, so keep in mind, Matthew, you know, I, I moved here from, you know, 250 miles away. So, you know, not only was this job new to me, but the whole, you know, the whole ecosystem, I I didn't know. Well, I knew Lucas McFadden. That's the only person I knew when I came to Rock We've Hill. had him on the podcast, good friend. Yeah, um, just from our, our time in TV together. So um, it, uh, it's it been a, a wonderfully welcoming community. Um, I love so much uh, how close-knit this community is, how there are actually people from here that grew up here. And I moved here from the country where there are a lot of transplants so um you know everybody knows everybody's mama's sisters brothers uncles aunt uh, down the road and they know what things used to be called for you know four businesses and iterations ago and uh they give directions by saying you know you go down to the grocery store and you turn left i'm like well, i don't even know where the grocery <laughs> store is yet um but uh but there's a real desire for unity and growth um that i have felt right at home in and remind people a little bit about who you are and where you came from. Sure. So uh, Hannah Horn, I'm the executive officer of the Gravity Center, which is a center for entrepreneurship that uh, was started here in Rock Hill right out a year ago. Um, I moved here for the job from uh, Hilton Head Bluffton area, so from the low country where I worked at the Chamber of Commerce there. So uh, again, moving here uh, was uh, a, a huge change um, in not only geography, but just a mindset, very, very different part of South Carolina. Awesome. Well, you know how things go on the show. We okay. like to have some fun before we get into the other questions. Okay. So we're going to put a minute on the clock and uh, we're going to do a speed round. Ooh, you ready? Ready. Favorite fast food French fry? McDonald's. Regu regular fries, waffle fries, or curly fries? Uh, regular. Uh, how many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Three. Three. All right. Last thing you watched on TV. Uh, the news about uh, the queen. Okay. Two things you like to do in your free time. Uh, garden and cook. So you are a former reporter. Uh, most famous person you ever interviewed. Dolly Parton. Ooh. Uh, favorite place to eat in Rock Hill. Ooh, don't make me choose. You I'm, can't say McDonald's. No, I'm really loving that uh, salmon salad at Hobo these days. Mm, that's good. Uh, if All right, so this is more of a, or sorry, one more, something uh, that you're afraid of. Mm. 
<laughs> public speaking, just kidding. <laughs> um, I am deathly afraid of heights and driving in mountains. Hmm. Um, deathly afraid. And that actually happened this past weekend where I'm just white knuckle. It's, it's almost the driving part or the heights part. Uh, well, I thankfully was not driving. Peter was driving. Um, but I was, I literally had to close my eyes and, and deep breathe and meditate. And uh, just because <laughs> I'm scared to death of heights and being that high up, it was really very scary. I'd right. have to get some therapy on that. So this one's a thinker and I probably should have prepped you for this one. If you could be a fly on the wall mm-hmm. for any moment in history, what would you choose? So my mind initially thinks of, okay, what secret meetings uh, maybe took place that I would want to hear what people talked about or what events would I want to witness that weren't caught on film? Um, in, in history? Yeah, sure. Anything. Um, I uh, The crucifixion of Christ. Yeah. To have been there. Okay. Yeah. That, that day changed the world forever. It's a good one. Yeah. Another one I thought of, and I don't know why my mind went here. Uh, would have been the the Lincoln assassination. That too. Just, uh, I mean, I don't. I probably it's kind of a gruesome thing to want to see, but mm-hmm. to see how all that went down, um, that's just a very prominent moment in history. So, have, have you read um, Killing Lincoln? I have not. All of the Killing books, the the Bill O'Reilly books, I highly recommend. It it, it just they are fantastic journals of history, details oh. you'd never know otherwise. Awesome. Very cool. Well, that's uh, a little bit more about Hannah. And we, we talked about how uh, what you've learned about Rock Hill over the past year. You've been in a, as you've said, a new position at the Gravity Center. I guess that's not new anymore. What have you learned about the Gravity Center over the past year? Well, the, the Gravity Center being a new organization started by 10 entrepreneurs, um, the Gravity Center had to learn not only I, I had to learn about it, but it had to learn about itself as an evolving organization, as a, a nascent organization. So where we fit in the ecosystem, what what were we going to be good at? You know, Orville Redenbacher, the, the peanut or peanut popcorn, popcorn guy, guy, corn yeah. guy, you know, said, uh, you know, do one thing and do it good, you know. Mm-hmm. And so what were we going to do good? And so finding our space, finding our lane. Um, And then also recognizing where the gaps were in our ecosystem uh, with other organizations that are doing great job, like, you know, the SBDC, Bell, uh, United Way, our, you know, Chamber of Commerce, but where, you know, and, and who wasn't being serviced for entrepreneurship and small business growth? And how could we lend a helping hand and find our niche, find our customers? All right. So you said two things there, uh, your space or your lane. Mm-hmm. What What is that space? What is your lane? What did you find uh, over the past year that the Gravity Center can really excel at? Sure. So I think uh, two two big areas, um, and they are big areas. One is that season of what we call ideation, and that that's for those folks who have an idea for a business, and they really just don't know where to go with it, okay? So, uh, you know, you've always wanted to start this kind of business, or you have an idea on how to innovate a product or service, um, you know, you uh, a, a technology, an idea for an app. I mean, 95% of people have an idea for a business, and... A lot of them just do not know where to go. Um, the second area that uh, we have found, uh, and so ideation, let me just go back to um, being, you know, pre-revenuing, 
Uh, you're still trying to figure out what you don't know. You're trying to test it on a few customers. That can get, that's very tedious work for an entrepreneur. It's it's really where they hit a wall. They hit funding walls. They hit uh, a lot of discouragement. So being there to cheerlead and network them is really absolutely key. The second thing that I would say is for those growing businesses that are beginning to scale to the point to where they need, uh, they, well, they should all be protecting their intellectual property, uh, you know, their legal rights, but uh, forming partnerships but when they go after additional investments such as venture capital or um, or angel investing we all know the show Shark Tank right mm-hmm. so when you get ready you know those those businesses that go before those sharks they already they have kind of figured out what their project or what their product or, or service is going to be how they're going to price it what their volume and capacities are and those sharks are ding 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 going to fire back at them how can we help prepare those businesses and get them ready for funding and the uh, the second thing you mentioned, gaps. What gaps have you been able to fill? So the ideation, huge okay. need. Uh, there really was not an, an organization um, that uh, really had the time and the energy, the mentor, um, and the the true love of entrepreneurship with all of its triumphs and tragedies um, to really get in there and dig deep into the hearts and minds of entrepreneurs. So definitely that. Um, other gaps that you know we're still trying to to figure out and, and fill is, of course, uh, professor and student innovation. How can we encourage um, students at you know Winthrop, York Tech, Clinton College who want to start a business or have an idea or if there's innovation happening inside of a classroom or a professor wants to take that next level for innovation, how can we protect that intellectual property and help shepherd uh, growth uh, not only within our universities and then in corporations, in manufacturing environments. You know, Bank of America, I read an article the other day. So far this year, Bank of America has, and don't quote me on this, um, but I am on TV. Um, <laughs> I'm being recorded. Um, Bank of America has already filed for about 100 patents so far this year intrapreneurial so so filing you know patents or are seeking to to better technology to innovate within a business is something that is you don't have to be an entrepreneur having your own business within a business you can go after scaling and and protecting intellectual property which goes on your balance sheet it's a big deal what have you found that your position and role plays in all of those different plans and gaps and lanes? So um, I am really the, I, I'm the first, I'm, I'm kind of the, the welcome. I'm the first person that many folks get on the phone and begin to to connect those resources on the state, local, sometimes even federal, sometimes international level. So being, um, uh, it's not really a gatekeeper, but it's uh, it's a kind of a, a chaos coordinator getting out um, to uh, to find out who's who's an expert and what uh, what organization provides what resource and then just begin to connect them which is the goal the mission of the gravity center in the first place is to be a hub for entrepreneurship it's to network it's to grow it's to help them scale so i begin to just connect them with people who can connect them to their next step and help them reach their next milestone what's an example of someone who came to you and you went to someone else to build that connection um, I had an entrepreneur call me, uh, actually text me uh, a couple days ago, and um, he needed a legal agreement written up uh, to be able to uh, sell his product um, at a certain event, and he just needed a uh, he needed some type of legal setup agreement. So I connected him with someone who could do that for him, who had been in that space before. Another entrepreneur that said, "Oh, well, this is what we do when we do a pop up event. Th- these are the rules." And uh, there have been others um, were. 
working with a, an entrepreneur right now who is seeking um, some some seed uh, funding, and I connected her with a pitch competition that's happening in the upstate in a couple of weeks. So just letting our entrepreneurs know things are happening or when they come to me and have an idea or want to go to the next step making it happen. Another entrepreneur who's looking to go brick and mortar. Um, she's been out and about in pop-up spaces and now she's looking to plant in an actual space. Uh, and she's going to work with the city and the county to try and find those spaces that provide, you know, the um, not only the, the traffic and the customers that she wants at this particular uh, place, but also that perhaps there could be some type of incentives, facade improvement grants um, that can get her to the space that she needs and wants to have. Great examples of how you connect the dots and help those entrepreneurs out. But what are one or two success stories you can point to of of people in the past year who came to you, you started connecting the dots and boom, now they're off and running. Yeah, well, I mean, we we love to brag on Ryan Sanderson. Of course, he, mm -hmm. you know, and he's launching, uh, he just put yesterday his next, um, opening up his his next um, knowledge, perk knowledge perk in McAdamville, in McAdamville. Yep. yeah, uh, up in North Carolina. So, you know, good, good for him. That's great. Um, we have um, another entrepreneur who is in a, um, is, who's in the tech space. Um, okay. She's developing a platform for diversity inclusion uh, benchmark marking uh, to be able to report on that. And there's a, a it's a SaaS um, type technology. And um, she uh, is in the midst of prototypes right now. And, and that's a big deal. I mean, I, I'm just saying she's in the midst of prototype. But I mean, if you have taken your idea to a prototype, and you're actually testing it out on customers right now, you're going to market with it. That's that's huge. Um, the this the zero to one milestones are are incredible. Um, their first customer, their first contract, um, their first client. Um, they've they're moving to brick and mortar. Um, there's a, a local food truck that's going to open up a local restaurant, a brick and mortar. Um, now that they've been able to. Um, be able to you know scale and and get to where they they want to be so a lot of great things have happening um just i'm super proud of the the grit the determination the tenacity of our entrepreneurs it, it seems like in the past year you guys have kind of adjusted to find that uh, niche as you said or that space so i don't know if there are any statistics to to compare to the past, but what are some of the statistics you've seen over the past year? So there's the sheer number of events and programs that we've had. And okay. so uh, we, you know, we've hosted uh, on average five, six events a month. Sometimes it's been as many as 10. Sometimes it's, you know, in the summer months too. Um, but, um, you know, we've, we've had more than 50 programs. We've had touch points of more than 500 entrepreneurs and founders um, so far. Um, our net promoter score, which is when we ask, when we do a follow-up, you know, did you connect with services? that you needed did you make a connection to another um, entrepreneur that you know you can be in community with um, all very important things to entrepreneurs um, did you know were you able uh, to attach to new city and and county and state services that you didn't know about before um, and then we asked them um, you know would you recommend us to I mean huge thing when you're in business, okay, to get a net promoter score, um, we we are right at a perfect 10 when it comes to the people that we serve and that come into the Gravity Center. Would you recommend us to another entrepreneur that is starting or scaling a business? Absolutely every time. And the number that come to us and say, we wish we would have known when mm -hmm. we started our business. We, we've lost so much money. We've made so many missteps as a result. Um, 
and we just try to try to put mentors around them, try to get them to um, you know, into a space where they feel supported. And again, that saves time and money. Now, the Gravity Center building itself opened not long after you got there. Is that correct? A little before. Yeah. So it so was a little before. Mm-hmm, yeah. So last summer. So the end of last summer. Uh, how have you guys adjusted what goes on there in the building itself over the past year? So there's co-working spaces that, you know, we firmed up all of the uh, the the form and function processes of, you know, leasing those spaces out, which has been fun. Uh, we've listened to our small business owners about what the need for space is, whether they just needed to duck in for a quick, you know, uh, conference room or whether they actually wanted a, you know, a, an office that, that locked. So inside of the Gravity Center, um, hosting events, um, having things we've had to pivot it like every other business to sometimes host things in person, sometimes host things in, you know, uh, virtually what time is best for folks? Can you charge for it? Would people pay for this? Would people not pay? What is the price? Uh, you know, elasticity on that, uh, you know, the going rate, so to speak, for things. Um, so, you know, the Gravity Center itself, you know, is a money-making proposition for 10 investors. Beyond that, though, is a 501c3 arm that the Gravity Center has launched that we will go after foundation funding, um, you know, after institutional funding that will allow us to pursue um, educational efforts, um, event programming, um, sponsorships on the Gravity Center to be able to do that kind of programming, maybe even have a, you know, maybe incubate or accelerate, um, you know, in, in a certain area in the future. We we don't know. We're constantly listening, changing and adapting to what, what the city needs. What's uh, with the 501c3, what's an educational or promotional area that ideally would be, oh, that would be cool if we did that. Yeah, so we need to do another startup weekend, which is a weekend that's set aside a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday where you have an idea for a business. And over that 52, 54 hours, you put your business plan together. You have mentors around you. You put some numbers on paper and you compete at the very end of that. You put your idea in front of a panel of judges and walk away with a little seed capital. Awesome. How fun would yeah, that be? Yeah, very cool. <laughs> yeah, so startup weekends are a lot of fun. You know, innovation slam, you know, whatever we want to call it. Um, but, you know, we just uh, recently did this summer um, for the first time, we had a teen entrepreneurship camp, you know, one week inside the Gravity Center, um, you know, where I had seven young people from area schools that started, scaled, and sold a business in four days. That's huge. And yeah. they made a profit. Matter wow. of fact, they hit break even within their first hour, meaning the money they put into their business, they made that. They hit that milestone, and then everything above and beyond paying their expenses. And that was, was pure, how long? Uh, that was four days. Wow. They got there on a Monday morning, and they went to market on a Thursday afternoon, and we graduated with a certificate Friday morning. Talk about pulling some all-nighters. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. You know, in, in that, that's really, I mean, that was an accelerated, uh, which is what accelerators do. I mean, that was an accelerated example of, you know, young people, and they sold snow cones at, you know, Knowledge Perk on a really hot afternoon, but coming up with a viable idea, pricing it, putting a marketing structure around it, getting people out there, um, all the supplies that they needed, pricing mm. it out. Um, I mean, it was, let me tell you, I, what I did with those young people, I would have done with Elon Musk if he would have walked in and had an idea for a business. It is, it was that foundationally true to understand their capacity, to understand constraints, uh, to, you know, get a break even point on pricing, uh, you know, how many snow cones are they going to have to sell to make up their expenses? And they had that number in their mind. Let me tell you, they were cheering when they made that number to know that everything above and beyond that was going to be profit. And those kids walked away with hard, cold cash. That's so awesome. I know, little sharks around here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in, in, occupations, life relationships, there's 
just kind of an, you know, it's good to be welcoming, which it sounds like you guys are being welcoming. People can call you with ideas. Always. People can come to you and uh, rent space. Uh, but also there's the meeting people where they're at and mm-hmm. doing going to people. Uh, you guys have had some initiatives that you've done over the past year, and we'll we'll touch on a few. Uh, the first one I think is going on now or just ended, uh, Lessons in Finance. What is that? So five Lessons in Finance began in, in August. So every month on the first Thursday, second Thursday, um, we have a lesson in finance so that you can understand uh, your financial reports um, that you're going to need either for your investors or for yourself to really kind of take the temperature of your business. We uh, So it's still going on. Uh, we started in uh, August with the income statement, the profit and loss statement. Uh, we just did the balance sheet. We'll do cash flow analysis statement next month. Uh, we'll then do nonprofit accounting. So if anybody's ever wondered how that differs, it's a very different accounting equation in nonprofit. And then in December, um, we'll have um, a CPA come in and talk about um, getting your getting ready for tax season as a small business, what's changed in the tax code. So one of the foundational pieces of the puzzle for our entrepreneurs and small businesses. You know, your your business is not in your product, it's in your numbers. And so helping them understand their numbers, have foundational business knowledge on, you know, how to do the math on their business is incredibly important. We wanted to meet them with these with that kind of programming. And what what kind of turnout have you guys had for that? Is is it an in person thing? Yeah. So you know, anytime you tell somebody, "Hey, come to the history of accounting class," <laughs> you know, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it unfortunately, I mean, it has not been that popular. But the people that have been there have been the people that have needed it and mm-hmm. are willing to put the time in. Um, there's one entrepreneur that you know works during the day and just absolutely cannot be there, and so um, very. Very common, you know, for me to come early, stay late, meet at a coffee shop, you know, on a weekend to be able to say, here's what we went over. Here are the slides. Here's, you know, the free Excel spreadsheet that goes along with this. Play around in that. See what you can, you know, see if you can figure it out um, based on just this small, short tutorial I gave you. Listen, nobody's coming out with a CPA license on the end of this, okay? It's simply to be able to look at financial reports and understand them. Do you see entrepreneurs come along a lot of times who either don't understand or have trouble grasping the idea of cash flow and your budget and all of those things? Is this has this been identified as just a really important thing to discuss? I would say a hundred percent of the time. Okay. A hundred percent of the time, because um, it is such an intricate part of your business, whether you have a service based business, um, you um, uh, dog washing. You know, or you have a product-based business. You sell um, a widget. You sell um, hammers. So you have to, you know, in a service-based business, you cost out your time. So what does your time cost? And, you know, what are all of the intricacies of, um, you know, what you need in that service-based business? And then there's the product-based. Then you've got cost of goods sold and all the, you know, the accounting um, that goes into, you know, the the product mix of, you know, making a product and, and then selling it and, you know, how you, um, you know, how you pay taxes on that, um, how you retain earnings on that. Listen, it's um, it's not my forte. It's not my strong area, my strong suit. Um, but I know that it's important to my business. And so I, you know, I had to learn at some point 
point, you know, to on how to read these. And uh, again, to take the temperature the same way that, um, you know, if you went to the doctor's office and you had blood work done and they just gave you, you know, that your red blood cell count is at the, you know, is 42, you'd be like, well, what does that mean? You know, right. what's 42? Mean? I don't know if that's even anything. My apologies to doctors and nurses who are listening. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's without a doctor's help or without someone really guiding you down that that health metric you just wouldn't know and so that's really all we're trying to do is to help you uh, get a handle to be able to to know um, the health of your business especially if you're going to go after uh, you know outside investment or you're going to try to um, you know expand on you know capacity do you have the cash to be able to do that initiative two I have here and I think you may have touched on this earlier when you talked about the Bank of America article that you read patent and trademark assistance yeah, so we actually have a, a venture going through a bit of a nightmare right now having to rebrand um, because she has a business where she received a, a cease and desist letter from um, a similar named mm. business up in North Carolina that says, hey, we, we protected the IP on this before you. So she's rebranding her business. And thankfully, I mean, she has a business that she can, you know, turn on pretty fast. But, you know, she's going to have to rebrand everything. Uh, I mean, every aspect of her business, you know, her business cards, you know, her customer facing signage, everything has got to be changed. That being said, though she's a rock star and she's going with it so whenever um whenever we first of all we have um attorneys that come into the gravity center that office that uh, offer one-on-one office hours to uh to if you have a question about uh trademarks patents um uh you know your logos your colors anything like that your processes that you you know want to try and protect legally they'll sit down and talk with you about that and, and tell you what the options are what the cost on that would be but whenever now uh, we do the start my business class, which is what we do every, every single month, it's the it's it's step by step what you should do if you want to start or you know your business in the state of South Carolina. When we say register your business with the Secretary of State's office, and you go into the Secretary of State's website and say you want to name your business, you know uh, Matthews Cupcakes is Matthews Cupcake. It'll show up whether that entity name is available in the state of South Carolina. Okay, so there's no other entity named Matthews Cupcakes. But you don't know if it's if there's one in Florida named Matthews Cupcakes and they're going to come after you and they're going to say, shut it down. No, you can't do that. How do those people, how would someone in Florida find out about Matthews Cupcakes in South Carolina? Would it just be through... I mean, is there not a national database you go to? There is, which okay. is which is why you register it with you know the national database. You you actually you know pay to protect and you claim it for yourself. Okay. Yes. So. Um, if and, and a lot of how they find out about it, it's usually customer confusion. They are trying to Google Matthews cupcakes okay. and like, oh, you know, you spent all this money on SEO and suddenly the Matthews cupcakes in Rock Hill, South Carolina is coming up and not the one in theirs in Jacksonville, Florida. And you're like, okay. So they found out about you that way. Maybe this is an ignorant question, but mm-hmm. if I'm Matthews cupcake, sure, let's roll with it. Okay. Uh, would there not be a place where I could see the nationally trademarked you places? Can. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't that be something I would want to do before I follow through with something on it, the state level? It is. But, you know, you don't think about that when okay. you're in the throes of it. And right. so that th- that very thing, Matthew, is what we're talking about coming to the Gravity Center that, you know, they this business, they they just love to make cupcakes. God bless. They just love to make cupcakes. They are not thinking about the National Registry of Names. I'm here working in communications. Of, I mean, it might be something I would think about, but someone who just loves to make cupcakes, 
me in another universe, mm-hmm. you know, may, I guess not something that crosses their mind. Quite exactly. Often. So it's avoiding those kinds of missteps and, you know, kind of helping you get to um, you get to your customers, um, not having to rebrand in a year or two from now, uh, protecting your logo. And, you know, it's one of those things where you don't want someone coming after you and taking your right. name. Yep. Down the street, next state over, anything like that, you know? You know Matthew, it's, it can't even be like super, super close. You know, Matthew's Treats and Cupcakes, is that legal? You know, to really right. talking to an attorney about what is allowed. The third initiative on here mm-hmm. is LinkedIn personal branding. Why is that important? All social media is so important to to our, our ventures. Many of them are, are trying to get, you know, their first, second, third, fifth customer. And the number one way that these days that, you know, you can get to a big audience super cheap is through social media. And LinkedIn branding um, yourself on a, a social media, legitimizing yourself with a website, uh, with a social media account uh, is huge. Be because it's just the easiest way to get things out there, correct? It's just it's it's just what's available right now. I mean, think back in the day when you know you started a business and you'd put a little sign out in front of the business. Well, you'd get those folks that drove by, but how else would somebody? Well, maybe okay, somebody at church told you about the business. Okay, so a little word of mouth got going. There was no way I would know about you know that great boutique in Rock Hill if I lived in Fort Mill or Charlotte. So you can you can really um, leverage um, a lot of free services in you know through LinkedIn, through uh, Instagram, through Facebook, uh, you know, and especially in the pay to play platforms. You know, if you decide to put a little money behind and boost your post, and you, we're talking the same language here because I know you yeah. you know about this. Um, but man, you'd be surprised the number of people you say boost a post, and they'd have they'd be like boost a what <laughs> a how a when don't even have a Facebook account, and so you know helping them. Uh, set that up, operate it, operate it efficiently so that folks will be able to to use it and, and advertise. I'm going to give a quick plug here and then we'll go into the next initiative. But one of the, the ways I've seen that with what we do here at the city is the Rock Hill Economic Development account does small business spotlights mm-hmm. every Wednesday and highlights a place. And I can't tell you the number of places I would not have known about without those posts. So yep. Um, yep. that's that's a good example so I know, based on the snow cone example earlier, you've had some good experience uh, with young people here in Rock Hill. What is the Teen Entrepreneurship Startup Challenge? So that was it. That was the that summer was camp. Okay. Yep. And we, like I said, we hope to do even more with young people um, in and around the area, not only K-12, but especially inside of our colleges, uh, inside York Tech, uh, Clinton College. Um, and then, uh, I mean, even Global Entrepreneurship Week, um, which I want to get a big plug in uh, before, you know, depending on our time, um, Global Entrepreneurship Week begins November 14th. We've got several events that are happening that week where you can kind of dive into the exciting things happening. Um, there's a big event on Monday. We'll do some, uh, it'll be a dinner, uh, some awards, a great speaker. Um, but then on Wednesday night at Winthrop inside the DiGiorgio Center, um, we're actually doing a screening of a film that is about about young people starting businesses. It's a okay. documentary called uh, Generation Startup. It's fabulous. And so we're going to try and spark innovation with those kiddos and get them thinking about starting businesses or going to work as talent inside of a startup. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Last thing I want to touch on. Sure. uh, What's the York County Launchpad and how do you partner with that? 
So the York County Launchpad, its previous iteration was called One Million Cups. A lot of people may be familiar with it um, in that iteration. But it is uh, the first Wednesday of the month. It happens at 8 a.m. at Knowledge Perk. Get free coffee here from two businesses that just want to talk to the community about what it is that they're doing. This is not a pitch for customers as much as it is um, a request from other businesses and people in the community that to connect with them and help them on either a a specific challenge or obstacle that uh, that they're facing. If you're a business that would like to present at Launchpad, be one of those businesses giving that six minute presentation and we'll get you ready for the pitch, you know, your slide deck, all that good stuff. We'll teach you how to do all that. Um, yeah, yeah, just let us know. Just email us and or it's on our website, mygravitycenter.com. And I know you guys rent out space to some people uh, in the community. Who can do it? How do they do it? It's on our website. Yeah, we have a video conference room, a classroom, a lot of technical training happens in there, a lot of board um, uh, training. A lot of folks just want to get out of their office with their team for the day and just have, um, you know, a meeting speaker, go over their numbers, uh, work on a project together. We've got whiteboards and uh, fun office supplies that, you know, you can use, cater and lunch and just have a have a fun day. We also have a ping pong table, you know, not, not a lot of offices have that. No. It, we're cool. We're really cool. <laughs> yeah. End with a happy hour, uh, you know, either in here in Old Town, walk over to Rocco, grab some dinner. Um, it's uh, it's a really cool place, Matthew, and great things are happening in there. And I just could not be more thrilled to be at the helm of what I know is going to be more conversations about what happened in the first year, what happened in the second year, and to really see um, our startup community grow and blossom, not unlike many around us. This is the story of Charleston and North Charleston. This is the story of Greenville Spartanburg. This is the story of Columbia. When people care, people invest in their small businesses and they, uh, then they just show up to network, support, and cheerlead each other. Awesome. Well, Hannah, Thanks for coming back, joining us for a a, a recap, a part two, if you will, and can't wait to have you back on again. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill City Cast. Episodes are available each week to stream on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts. To keep up with City of Rock Hill information, follow us on social media.